Hi, everybody. This is part two of our two-part episode on mother-daughter relationships. In part one, you heard Liz talk about her difficult relationship with her mom and her fears and insecurities around becoming a mom herself. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to part one first. There was a lot in Liz's story that resonated with me, especially because as a daughter and as a first-gen I, like many of you, am charting new territory in the choices I make in my life. I'm doing things differently, really differently than the way my mom did things. And as a parent, I can tell you parenting is hard. And for those of us hoping to do it radically different than how we were brought up, it can feel daunting. I could certainly use some help. I bet some of you could too. So I did what I always do. I called in an expert. My name is Michelle Gomez. I am a spiritual life coach. My specialty is serving as a Latina mother wound healing conduit. Prior to pivoting my business towards helping women heal this wound, I was doing executive career coaching. And I, in doing that, I've also pursued a bachelor's in business management and a master's in business administration while also publishing my very first book on imposter syndrome. So tell me about specializing in the Latina mother wound. So prior to uh, pivoting my business, I had achieved everything on paper that most first-gen Latina daughters, you know, are taught to achieve. And so I spent a lot of time in academia and corporate while also having a, a successful, thriving marriage and two beautiful children I had achieved everything. Everything hanging on the wall says that I should be happy. My square footage of my house, the German car that's sitting in my driveway. I'm like, every why am I not happy? And what happened was I finally realized that I was trying to achieve a certain level of self-acceptance because there, the relationship I've had with, with my mother and my father gave me some semblance that I, I wasn't enough as I am. Um, my mother wound had gone unaddressed for a very, very long time. Uh, the coaches I worked with were not Latinas. My therapists that I had weren't even women. So I just felt like there was a lot missing the mark for me. A lot of the teachings, a lot of the ways that they were saying, here's how you handle your difficult mother. Like, yeah, that's not a reality for me. I'm right. a Latina. We think <laughs> and feel different. Like a women of color, our heritage, our culture. And I just felt that there was no place that Latinas can go and talk about this. And so I created it. You heard Lisa's testimony. As you listened to her, what did you hear? I heard a lot of fear of um, being inadequate as a woman to step into her role as a mother. That saying that she said can be kind of scary, right? That <laughs> you can't be what you've never seen you can't possibly give what you've never had. There's some truth in that. But one thing I noticed in Liz's um, testimony is that she has been doing her healing work already. She already sounds way more conscious than maybe our moms were aware of, you know, self-aware, which is that would be the superpower I would encourage her to start with. It's really with motherhood, I feel that Marianismo, 
really has done a great disservice to Latina daughters in this expectation that a good woman is this constantly giving, constantly doing for others, you know, this, this martyr, and that that is the only way you can be a good mother. And so the fact that she's questioning that is really beautiful because now she has an opportunity to change the experience. Yeah, your mom may, may not have given you what you needed, but the fact that you consciously know what it is that you need is the first step. I completely agree with you that when I talked to her, I did find that she was really self-aware and that she had really given herself the time and the space and the permission to ask and question how she was brought up, right? But for folks who are just beginning to unravel whatever trauma might be influencing who they are, what are some of the signs that you have a mother wound if you're a Latina? A lot of the telltale signs are your relationship to other women and your even your relationship to yourself. Um, how you value your femininity or do you have a balance of masculine and feminine? Really, we watch mom and we are informed by a lot of the way she walks the world, the way she interacts with other people, the way she speaks to herself about herself informs us on what relationship we're allowed to have with ourselves, what's acceptable and what we're expected to be like in relationship to other women. So a lot of those limiting beliefs or just this pattern that seemed to have worked for mom. So you think you have to emulate it in order to be acceptable to her. That's a deep understanding, especially if culture and heritage was weaponized in an effort to force you to be in that role of la niña buena, the good little girl, right? Our parents, many times, their ability or their view of being good parents was thrown on us daughters. So if we're well-dressed, if we're well-behaved, if we only speak when spoken to, and these are the things that our parents in their generation were taught oh, I'm doing my child a service. I'm teaching her that this is how she gets praise. And of course, to the parent, it's an ego boast too, right? Like, I'm a good parent. Look at people are complimenting my kids. But truly, being a good girl and staying quiet and always doing and being for others does zero for us in adulthood. If anything, it keeps us small, makes it so that we don't ask for more, makes it so that we just take what we can get, and not complain, all of those things. And so if you find yourself constantly self-betraying, saying yes when you really want to say no, constantly concerned about what everyone's going to think, a lot of it does have to do with our relationships with our mothers. And so we get to dive into those wounds and unlock some of those patterns to see why. Why do you believe that way? And how does that show up in your actions as an adult? Talk to me about the work that has to happen for someone. There is starting to come into this awareness that there is healing that needs to happen, that there is a fundamental wound that they've been carrying around. Where does the work begin? And does the work only involve them? Or at some point, does the work involve the mom? 
So if I could answer it in reverse a little bit, mom does not have to be involved at all. I can already feel the tension of any listeners that are saying, oh my gosh, I have to confront my mom. Are you kidding? There's no way. Hermana, te entiendo. I know, I know. Mother does not have to be involved because she's on her own path. You can't heal her and her participation is not required. It's really first, the first step is in allowing yourself permission to speak up and question and bring bring up this this experience that you've had and allow yourself to talk about it openly because it's not about let's sit here and bash mom that's not what this is it's tell me about little you talk to me about little you I actually tell my clients to bring photos of themselves as children and I ask them what was going on in the heart and the mind of five-year-old you here understand what it was like for you and what your inner child still carries today to this fear today and why it's showing up now. I'll give you an example. The, the people-pleasing stuff, right? And like the doing for others. A lot of us were not given, I would say like verbal affirmation for just existing. You know, like, ah, yo te quiero tanto, mija. Like, I, I love you so much and you're just so special just for, ex- thank you for existing. It was always, limpiaste tu cuarto? You needed to do something in order to get the accolade, the recognition, right? And so when we didn't do something or we did it wrong and we got yelled at, depending on how mom treated you, will lead you to understand why you're afraid. As little girls, we don't know any better. As little girls, we assume if I disappoint mom, She's going to stop loving me and she's not going to take care of me. And if mom was the type of mom that was, would go silent on you, withdraw her love, would yell at you and turn aggressive. These are patterns that we're afraid of. And so if we don't heal that stuff, that inner child fear follows us into adulthood. And now we're afraid to disappoint if we do it wrong or if we don't do it, if we say no. My survival is at stake if this person's not happy with me. So I want to ask you about that specifically because Liz stunned herself by leaving the house. And that existential threat that you speak of, right? The, her very safety, she just said, forget it. I can't. And I am going to risk my emotional well-being along with my physical well-being. And she couch surfed and slept on someone's floor. For her, that was a turning point. But not everyone has the resources, the ability, the support to do that. So how can someone start to make progress in their healing without doing something as extreme as just leaving the home if they're not in a position to do so? Hmm. Clearly, and this is going to be a word that a lot of Latinas don't know what it is and don't know how to put it in practice. And I get it. I had to learn too. boundaries. There needs to be some personal boundaries. I mean, I think it's funny that the, do you know the word boundaries does not have a translation in Spanish? Isn't that crazy? What? Exactly. There's words that kind of allude to what boundaries mean, but there's no actual word that means boundaries. There's uh, limites personales. That's a personal limit, right? But And then there's 
the other word that came up when we did our research was fronteras, which means a border. Right. Boundaries works for both people. We basically get to say, I love you, but I love me too. <laughs> and in order for us to be in a healthy relationship and a healthy dynamic, there needs to be an understanding of what my boundaries are and a respect level there. And Latino parents just don't, under, especially those of us that were raised in in enmeshed family homes where everybody knows everybody's business, everybody has a say in what everybody's doing, then your desire for boundaries could be very foreign and hard to understand. It could, because they will see it as disrespect. But a personal boundary could be something as simple as you limiting your emotional accessibility. If you know that they're not going to to be respectful as you speak, like Liz was saying, then she can set a boundary and say, I am not going to share personal stuff about myself. That's my boundary, you know? And if mom wants to know, then that's a boundary she can communicate to her. Like, I, I choose not to talk about that. And if mom wants to hear more, like, but I want to know what's going on in your life. And I want to be able to talk to you about stuff like this. Then that's where the boundary comes in. It's like, mom, I, I would love to talk to you about this stuff. However, if we're going to, if you would like to talk to me about my stuff, I need to know that your response is going to be loving and accepting and understanding. If you're just going to invalidate me, then I'm not going to share. So really balls in mom's court too. Everyone assumes sometimes that boundary making only benefits us. No, you actually give the other person the ability to, you know, have some power in it too. I'm telling you my boundary. You can respect it or not, because if you respect it, here's the benefit. I get to talk to you about stuff now. Maybe we can schedule a coffee date, right? Because you're my mom and you want to know. Or they suffer the consequence, which is I just won't share my personal stuff with you. So you, you have a say, mom. My last question is, where else can someone like Liz, who is becoming aware of what's going on with her, get support, seek help? Who else should someone like her reach out to when the parental figure is just not emotionally available to her to talk to and is actually the aggressor in many instances? I really feel that she would benefit from a Latina therapist. Latina therapists have have the understanding, maybe that Anglo therapists don't, about some of the ins and outs or inner workings of the Latino household. And so to be able to support her through understanding her family's unique pathology and help empower her to make the necessary changes or adjustments to her relationship to herself so that she can create the mothering style that feels authentic to her. Because once you take autonomy and you're like, this is what I'm going to do, and I don't care who gets upset, then it's not just mothering. It's everything that you get to take that kind of energy into. Because in the end, you have to be your own mother. Correct. The remothering process is part of the the healing that we do. Um, And I also truly believe in the power, the spiritual power of ancestry. Being able to meditate and pray and connect to your ancestors is a a way that you can also access generational blessings and power. I mean, so many of us, we we are so you need to be a generational cycle breaker, you know, and the pattern of generational trauma. And yeah, we're, we're doing that through our work to get, you know, in this time. Right. But there's also 
many generational blessings that we don't know about. And a lot of our immigrant parents who migrated here, they're taught that you need to learn the language and assimilate to Anglo life so that you can achieve the American dream and everything will be well. Well, I am living proof that's not true. I did it all and I still wasn't whole and complete and and fulfilled. So that's why I feel that opening up to your ancestry, whether you get your DNA tested, start asking questions, research the countries and the tribes and the indigenous communities that come from that space, you will see that you come from such a big spiritual wolf pack. Like you have such connection to divine source that your mom was just one link in the chain. Mm. And just because she didn't teach you that stuff doesn't mean that you can't get access to it. And you can birth anything you want from that, even the type of mothering style you want to be. Michelle, you're such a gift. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, my sister. I appreciate it. Okay, let's recap what we learned from Michelle. Tune in to yourself. Understanding how your early experiences have shaped who you are will help you cultivate self-awareness, which is the first step to changing harmful behavior that may be standard in your family. Set boundaries. Boundaries give power and agency to everyone involved in a relationship. Use them to clearly communicate and negotiate terms and conditions with your loved ones. And remember, draw from your whole ancestry. Your inheritance is not only what your parents taught you or passed on. There are generations of family members that came before them. And by doing a little research on your family's history, talking to older family members through prayer, meditation, you can learn from their strengths, values, traditions, and their resilience. This is your legacy Use it as a resource to support you in your healing journey. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams & Co. Virginia Lora is the show's producer. Kojin Tashiro is our mixer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Jen Chien is our executive editor. I'm the creator, Julie Calantigua Williams. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, Good Pods, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week. <laughs>